Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. I'd like to welcome Gabe Lax, baseball editor at USA Today, to the Sports Marketing Huddle. So Gabe, opening day came without a ton of fanfare. It was the Rays versus Yankees in Tampa. There was another game after that, and then it was Cards versus Cubs in St. Louis. And when you see the way that many of the other major sports leagues do their opening day, it's a huge celebration. And I feel like Major League Baseball missed a gigantic opportunity to start the season in Wrigley, put all eyes on the team that just won the World Series. What are your thoughts on the way that baseball opened up this season? Yeah, it's a good point that you bring up. Uh, One factor, and I, I don't know the extent to which they could possibly alter this, but the, the schedule for the next season is finalized usually in late September. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts with uh, preferences that teams might have over the course of a year. We want to be home on Memorial Day. We want to be home on the 4th of July. We prefer not to open at home this year because uh, XYZ, you know, the Republican conventions in town, what have you. So they finalized that kind of early, and it's at a point where you don't know who's going to win the World Series just yet. So what they can do is uh, take the schedule in hand and adjust it accordingly, move a game to Sunday, move a game to the nighttime as opposed to the day, uh, and that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a little tough to, uh, to sort of call an audible after the, an entire 162-game schedule for 30 teams has already been set. Uh, but you raise a good question. Should they be more flexible? Uh, and should that uh, marketing opportunity kind of uh, you know, present itself in a, in a more macro fashion? It's interesting, the, the, the soft opener approach that they've taken in recent years, because it's always, usually the first Monday is the, is the big thing. And that's, uh, that's still a thing. I mean, obviously there were, uh, I believe, uh, 13 games and uh, 12 games and 24 teams opening on Monday. Uh, and then they, they kind of flood the zone a bit uh, on Sunday. Now it used to just be the Sunday night game. Now they've added a couple more. I think that might be more of a response to people's ability to consume the game via MLB.tv and, and other mechanisms. Uh, I, I think the idea might be let's throw as many games out there as we can over a 36-hour period. You look at from 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday till about 1 a.m. Eastern on Monday night slash Tuesday morning, uh, that's sort of the, the window they're looking to, to amplify. And you could make the argument that, yeah, maybe they've, uh, they've kind of uh, cannibalized the Monday openers. Maybe it's not as big of a deal. So it's interesting. It's, uh, do you make it the one big game, or do you, do you try to just kind of uh, you know, do sort of a slow drip over the course of, uh, of a couple days? Uh, but I, I know what you're saying. It, it can sometimes feel like a little bit of a pop gun as opposed to a cannon. <laughs> But uh, it's uh, certainly something they could look at revising in, in future years if they feel they're not getting the bang for their buck. Yeah, and I agree, and I understand on the scheduling thing, but if you look at the way that the NFL does it, there's still a layer of flexibility in there, and I wouldn't want scheduling to determine the marketing for the league because Brian and I spent – 
the last, let's call it two months of the baseball season, I'm based in Chicago, talking about how brands can market around the Chicago Cubs. And they are the hottest thing in baseball. And then even right now, the Cubs are still just blazing hot because they are the favorites to win the World Series. Can they do it again? And it's just a missed opportunity. And I would hate that the answer is, well, we had to schedule in advance. Well, then you guys got to change something else if scheduling is the issue because you're missing the opportunity and we had the national championship for college basketball on Monday and there's games going on throughout the day and really where was my attention I love baseball I'm in three fantasy baseball leagues I root for the Pirates live in Chicago watch the Cubs and the White Sox and it just I felt like there should just be a much bigger spectacle and and instead of maybe 36 hours give me something that says Baseball is here. You guys cannot miss this the same way that football fans feel when the NFL is finally here. Yeah, it's uh, I think the, the, the inherent difference in the sports might have a little something to do with it as well. Just uh, I think baseball is trying to appeal to the, uh, the, the 162 game crowd. I mean, it is it is kind of a delayed gratification type thing. Sometimes it's, I, it, it can almost be a victim of too much buildup. It might present a bit of a letdown i know that sounds kind of counterintuitive but if you place too much importance on one game and and people kind of drive by and view it and it's not necessarily the greatest game (laughs) that can almost have a maybe a counter effect you might say but yeah i certainly get what you're saying and it's uh it's it's probably something you're going to see a little bit more of uh, going forward uh, with commissioner rob manfred wanting to to kind of speed up the game uh, and a lot of those initiatives that that he's uh, that he's raised in recent uh, recent months and, and really ever since he he became commissioner. Uh, so yeah, it's certainly a, a fine line to toe in that you uh, sort of want to appeal to your base but also expand it. So that's uh, that's kind of been the the age old question and and certainly to your point, yeah, you're right. When you have something like the Cubs, you probably need to exploit that as much as possible because uh, yeah, they're they're pretty much the the Beatles of baseball right now and uh, probably will be for the foreseeable future because. Uh, so many of their best players are going to be around for a good time to come. Gabe, how much of, you know, how much of it is the younger audience that's coming into up to be baseball fans who consume the sport differently, both from, you know, and you talked a little earlier about the information and analytics, but also from how they're consuming it that, you know, it's such a long season compared to some other sports. Um, You you know, I I totally get what you're saying where maybe coming out of the box with such a big bang could be a letdown because the season is so long. Um, But is this something that you think baseball and MLB needs to look at over the coming years to say, how do we, how do we cater to the younger audience who is used to consuming things in these like bite sized chunks, big bang off the top, is that something that changes over time or is there just a way to for baseball and the teams to keep the tradition in the long season but still placate this younger audience who wants the instant gratification well it's interesting one thing i think uh major league baseball has never gets enough credit for is their their move into the advanced media space and uh uh, mlb advanced media is a lot more valuable (laughs) most likely than uh the major league baseball itself they just uh sold a chunk of it for three billion dollars at disney uh because they're they're so good at what they do in the uh i guess in the uh the advanced media space and uh you know mlb.tv which enables pretty much any game in any market to to be consumed uh that's going on about a decade now uh, and I think 
there is a built-in advantage that hopefully they're wise enough to uh, to exploit uh, in terms of the younger fan, in terms of the casual fan, uh, as it regards highlights and uh, the mobile experience. Uh, the MLB.com at uh, that app uh, gets a it's in the billions per year of, uh, of you know, uh, impressions and, and streams and all that stuff. But the, the funny thing that you often hear is, uh, well, kids these days can't watch the games. They're too late. Well, it's true, but it's also always kind of been the case. I know games are longer, and I know the, uh, the TV factor makes them start later than they ever do and ever did, and that's true, and that's not going to change because there's still huge money in, in network television rights uh, for the playoffs and, and other jewel events. But the one advantage, and I have a 11 year old daughter, and uh, you know she rarely gets to watch uh, <laughs> a full baseball game, but she's a she's a Baltimore Orioles fan, and in the morning, if they had some great walk off win, I can you know dial up my phone and, and go, hey, look, uh, your favorite player hit a hit a walk off home run last night. And uh, now, the, does that give you a captive audience for three hours of a, of a broadcast? Uh, it doesn't, but uh, it also gives younger fans and viewers uh, an entry point they otherwise would not have had, uh, you know, even as, as recently as five, six, ten years ago. So uh, it's uh, they're very uniquely equipped. I think uh, the key is to, uh, to get kids to realize the game is fun, the game is cool and all that, so that, sure, maybe they're not going to sit through a four-hour uh, playoff game with uh, a thousand pitching changes, uh, but Maybe they'll uh, they'll certainly wake up and uh, and and look at the cool thing that Mike Trout did last night while they were asleep. I was just going to say, as you were talking, it really made me think. You know, has MLB been one of the organizations that's really figured this out? Where you have such a legacy sport, such a legacy product, where and you have such a you know audience that spans everyone across every age range. You obviously don't want to change the game because you're going to turn off such a large fan base that's been with you forever. While simultaneously, you want to build a younger audience. Do you think that's the uh, the gateway into it? Is what MLB and MLB Advanced has done, which is create these little bite-sized nuggets where, hey, we know, especially certain parts of our audience, they're not going to sit through the entire game last night, but if they catch this one clip that makes them excited, that gets them attached to a player, then you know what? They're going to come to a game at some point. Then you know what? Maybe they're going to watch the game on TV and so on and so on. Do you think that that's uh, at least where their mindset is at or at least where they're trying to accomplish through this? Yeah, definitely. I think they've uh, they've been kind of ahead in the space. Uh yeah, the, the biggest problem probably is exposing the, the younger fans to the game, uh, like you said. Uh, but the one thing that, that is kind of interesting is, you know, it, the trend might come back to them eventually. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you talk about cord cutting and, uh, and, and all of that that's going on. And uh, I mean, the thing with the declining sports ratings, and usually people come to the baseball doorstep first and go, wow, look at the uh, World Series ratings from 1985. Uh, until, uh, you know, to now, uh, how, how far have they dropped? Well, this is a question I, I often pose to people. Do you know what the number one rated television show in the country is right now? Just hypothetically. <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Very good. Oh, my gosh. I had to Google that myself a few months ago <laughs> when wow. I was working on a story of this nature. But that being said, uh, do people gather around and watch the Big Bang Theory season finale the way they did the last episode of MASH or Who Shot JR or The Cosby Show or Family Ties or any number of, uh, of uh, shows that, that maybe we grew up 
with uh, back in the day. They don't. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, Big Bang Theory certainly has a consistent audience that it's managed to retain. But at the same time, uh, you know, number one is certainly a relative term in that area. So, I mean, it's not just, uh, I guess, the degradation of, of baseball's audience. It's, it's the way that everything is kind of so so marginalized and compartmentalized now that you're just kind of trying to grab as big a piece of the pie as you can. Uh, now, the interesting thing, again, yeah, is, uh, you know, can you make a game that takes three hours plus accessible to people who might only want to parachute in for just one game or just one highlight? Uh, that's, uh, I think they're on the road to figuring that out. I think they're honestly doing about as well as they could. Uh, given that I, I think I don't think any of us saw the disruption coming to media and everything else, say 15 years ago, maybe the last 10 years, sure you could see it coming, but uh, you know they, they they had a pretty good running start, and they're not really scrambling, having to scramble to to uh, to catch up. It's just more a matter of uh, again making sure that you're connecting with the younger audience because their core audience is getting older. Despite the fact that I knew that answer, I have never seen a single second of Big Bang Theory. But <laughs> I know that Jim Parsons is a big sports fan because he's often on the Dan Patrick show. So I do support him because I love rooting for sports fans. Uh, so, Gabe, I want to talk about the information age of baseball and how it's affecting both the way that people digest the game and then uh, the gameplay itself. So analytics uh, in the Pirates opening game versus the Red Sox. Uh, they had a shift on with two outs, Garrett Cole pitching against the number nine hitter. Dude lays down a bunt down the third baseline. There's no one there. Uh, this ends up skyballing or snowballing into a horrible inning. Garrett Cole had been pitching perfectly until then, gives up five runs after that. And it was a direct impact of the way that analytics has changed the game where teams and organizations look and say, all right, well, I think it was Sandy Leon or something was bad. And they're like, well, this guy, he, he's horrible at bunting and he doesn't do much in the way of hitting. Let's move it all the way over to the other side of the field. And then lo and behold, he lays down a perfect bunt and completely blows up everything with the Pirates. So can you talk about how uh, analytics is changing the game both uh, on the field as well as during the gameplay, the announcers may be talking about the spin rate of a slider or the win probability or things that appear on graphics. And so much thought went into that sequence from uh, the Pirates figuring where Sandy Leone was likeliest to hit the ball to Sandy going, okay, this is where I think the Pirates might be playing me. So what's the what's the upside of swinging and what's the upside of bunting? And uh, you know that that bunt might have been something he'd been working on all spring training that wasn't in a scouting report or, or on a spreadsheet somewhere. So it's uh, that's a that's a great real time example of the the thought, maybe the over analysis that that goes into things. Because like you said, I'm sure, uh, and maybe you ask Garrett Cole, and uh, he might not you know throw his employers under the bus, but he might be upset about the shift. And so, yeah, just play everybody straight up and, and I'll, I'll get these guys out. So that's, uh, yeah, that's certainly uh, an on-field element of it. And, of course, uh, you know, we all know the, the Moneyball revolution that has obviously uh, greatly impacted player acquisition and, and everything like that. Uh, Moneyball came out 14 years ago. So <laughs> we are now seeing in, in major league front offices uh, – executives, assistant general managers, uh, you know, high-ranking scouts who read Moneyball when they were 14 years old and it changed their lives and they went to college and they went to specifically study statistics, uh, you know, or any number of, uh, 
of Ivy League type pursuits that uh, a baseball scout or executive never would have done. Uh, so what you're seeing is a lot of, uh, at the highest level, you're seeing a lot of people who, uh, and there's not a great, real great competitive advantage anymore because every team uses them. Uh, some will have better ones than others. Everyone's trying to develop their own proprietary software and, and uh, algorithms to uh, best determine what to pay players, which players to pursue. Uh, that's not necessarily new now, uh, as it's going on about 14 years, and, and some franchises were slower to come around than others, but they're all pretty much in that space now. Uh, what is new is, yeah, you're looking at a generation of consumers who expect the game to be disseminated that way. So when you turn on ESPN now, and uh, somebody gets a two-run single that makes the game 6-3 uh, to three when it was just 6-1, to one, you know, they'll flash a graphic now that says, well, the, the win probability uh, for the Red Sox just went, just dropped from 58% to uh, 52% as a result of the two-run single they just gave up. And, uh, you know, the older crowd might be like, what the heck is this? Uh, you know, what, get that off my screen. And the younger crowd will, will kind of nod and, uh, and go, yeah, that's, that's the language that I speak. Uh, that's the way I consume the game. And, uh, and again, it's, uh, you know, gosh, you could go back and forth for hours about, you know, what your flavor, <laughs> what, what flavor you prefer. Uh, win probability and playoff probability are helpful at the same time. Uh, I think there is a certain point where you just want to watch the game and maybe uh, if a guy hits a walk-off grand slam, you don't want to know the answer to what the odds are. Maybe you just want to, want, want to wonder, you know, that it was actually just 2%. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's definitely changing the way the way that, uh, that the game is consumed and, uh, and the way people expect to consume it. And you're seeing networks and, uh, and ballpark operations with what they put on the scoreboard now kind of uh, reacting to, uh, you know, to this revolution. Well, awesome, Gabe. We really appreciate you coming on the Sports Marketing Huddle. Yeah, definitely. Anytime, guys. And, uh, yeah, should be an interesting season. And uh, the, the industry is more fluid than ever, so it's an interesting place to cover, certainly. Absolutely. We look forward to it, and thanks for sharing your insights. This was a lot of fun, Gabe. Okay, awesome. Anytime, guys. 